Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lee Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. What do you fantasize about during masturbation or sex? Research tells us that almost everyone fantasizes and that there's actually a lot of commonality in the kinds of things that turn us on. However, many of us feel like our fantasies are strange or weird, perhaps because we think we're the only one who has that fantasy. So let's talk about fantasies. What turns people on and why? As you'll see in this episode, on some level, the things that you're fantasizing about are likely quite similar to the kinds of things that most other people are fantasizing about as well, which means that there's no reason to be ashamed of your turn-ons. For today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Jana Vringalova, a sex researcher, speaker, writer, and consultant. She teaches human sexuality courses at New York University and also runs a course called Open Smarter, which helps people figure out what type of relationship is right for them using science-based assessments of their unique personality. This is going to be an amazing conversation. Stick around and we're gonna jump in right after the break. Give yourself or your partner a boost in the bedroom this Valentine's Day with FirmTech. Their performance ring is designed to increase your sexual stamina and give you harder, longer-lasting erections, while also enhancing pleasure for everyone. Their tech ring has the added benefit of tracking your erectile health when synced with FirmTech's free mobile app, which monitors changes in erection duration, hardness, and more. Take control of your sexual health while increasing sexual performance and satisfaction at the same time. Check the show notes to learn more or visit myfirmtech.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code, Justin20, to save 20% off your purchase. Again, that's myfirmtech.com. Become a certified sex educator, counselor, or therapist with the Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. MSTI offers 20 certification options in areas including medical sexology, kink, neurodiversity, and LGBTQIA affirmative therapy. They also offer a PhD program in clinical sexology that can be completed in two years and meets all ASEC certification requirements. All programs can be completed 100% online and are flexible and customizable to fit your schedule. You can take live courses the third weekend of each month and choose from over 300 archive workshops taught by renowned experts in the field. For more information, visit modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. That's ModernSexTherapyInstitutes.com. Hi, Jana, and welcome back to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. Thanks for having me back. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a hot minute since our last conversation, but it's wonderful to connect with you again and to talk about fantasies because, as you know, that's my jam. Mm-hmm. So Ashley Madison recently released a report called Unbound Love, Sex, Fantasy, and Desire. And it's based on the results of a survey conducted by YouGov, done in collaboration with you, that actually drew some inspiration from my own research on sexual fantasies. So can you tell us a little bit about this project and who participated in this survey? Sure. So Ashley Madison was interested in finding out more about Americans' sexual fantasies, and we teamed up to create um, a relatively short survey that we could ask both of the general U.S. population, and that was done in collaboration with YouGov, which is an independent surveying platform that 
can draw on a nationally representative sample of Americans. And we also asked the same set of questions of the Ashley Madison members so that we can do a comparison of how Ashley Madison members look similar or different from the general population. And this was all asked of people who were partnered, so people who are in a committed romantic relationship, at least one. We asked them about their fantasies, the frequency of the different types of fantasies that they had. As you said, we organized the questions based on the types of fantasies that you identified in your large survey in that amazing book of yours, Tell Me What You Want. We also asked a little bit about their sexual satisfaction in their current relationship, about the level of communication and how comfortable they felt communicating about their sexual fantasies with their partners, as well as a couple of questions about non-monogamy and uh, their ideal relationship type. And uh, we found some fascinating as well as a little sad and (laughs) upsetting (laughs) to me results. (laughs) Well, I am flattered that you cited my work in the process of creating this survey. So let's talk about some of the things that you found. First, I think, what was the most common fantasy that emerged in the survey and why do you think it was so popular? (laughs) Not surprising, although some people seemed surprised about it, uh, but I don't think you and I would be surprised about it. The most common fantasy was about intimacy, passion, and romance. So something like 80 plus percent of the population said that they've had that fantasy at least sometimes, or at least once. You know, that's not surprising. Most people have a high need for that kind of close connection with another person, that uh, romance, that passion, that closeness and intimacy that is even if we have many other fantasies that are much kinkier or out there or more adventurous, this is something that is sort of a staple of human psychology. So that was definitely the most prevalent. Now, I'm curious in terms of how you ask these questions. So was this with regard to people's favorite fantasy or just do they have the fantasy? And a follow-up question to that is, when were the data collected? I'm assuming it was done sometime during this COVID period that we've been living in for the last couple of years. So I'm just curious about the time frame because I found in my own research that people's fantasies actually seem to change during the pandemic, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Ooh, interesting. I'd like to hear more about that. The data was collected in uh, September, I believe, of uh, 2022. So not in the height of COVID, but definitely in the in this post-COVID or living with COVID era that we are all in. Yep. And the questions were asked in regards to frequency. So how often do you have these different fantasies from never, rarely, occasionally, frequently to all the time? And the numbers that I'm giving you are for everyone who said anything above uh, rarely. So anyone except for never. And I can also give you the more frequent ones if you'd prefer. Yeah, so that's just really useful in terms of context, because in a lot of my work, I've focused on, you know, what are the themes that are most common in people's favorite fantasy? And some of my listeners might be saying, well, Justin, you said that threesomes were the most popular fantasy. And, you know, a couple of points there that are worth noting are one that I was looking at the themes that were most common in people's favorite fantasy, as opposed to just whether people ever have the fantasy. So if you look at whether people ever have the fantasy, the numbers are much higher 
as opposed to, you know, is this part of your favorite fantasy? But with respect to how our fantasies changed during the pandemic, I actually found an increase in passion and romance fantasies in some of my other work. And I think that's because so many of us have felt our belongingness needs more intensely, or we've had a harder time meeting them for the last couple of years. And even though the world has opened up much more compared to the lockdown periods, many of us lost friendships or loved ones or relationships during that time period for various reasons. And I think that that's made that need to connect with other people even more potent and intense. And I think oftentimes we turn to our fantasies to meet these unfulfilled needs that we have. So I thought that was interesting that it was the most uh, common fantasy there. And I wonder to what extent it's a product of kind of like where we are in time right now. But it's also worth mentioning again that you were only looking at people in relationships. And, you know, that's a different subsample of the population. And, you know, a lot of people are in relationships where maybe they're in a sexless relationship or maybe they're having relationship strife or the passion is worn down. And, you know, they're kind of like wanting to connect again in an intense way that they did in the beginning stages of their relationship. So all kinds of interesting things to look at there in terms of this fantasy. And also another thing is the sample, right? Yours was a convenient sample, which may have drawn people who are a little more on the adventurous side of things. And so that's why the threesome one came on top. But yeah, it's definitely a different type of question. What is your favorite fantasy versus the frequency of ever having uh, fantasies? And that's also going back to the change. It's something that we know from other forms of research that when mortality salience exists, right, when mortality is made to be more on people's minds, that very often people go in the direction of less adventure and and risk-taking and more on the needs for safety and security and belonging. And so, yeah, if we're seeing that change, probably has to do with all of that to some extent. Absolutely. So over the years, I've been approached by a lot of people in relationships who ask whether it's normal for them to fantasize about someone other than their partner. So there seems to be this idea out there that if you're partnered, you should only fantasize about your partner. But that would seem to be the exception rather than the rule. So what did you find in terms of people in relationships having fantasies about someone that they're not romantically involved with? That is definitely not something uh, that is rare <laughs> or <laughs> unusual. So I want to put everyone who worries that there's something wrong with them or wrong with their relationship or their partner, if they're fantasizing about someone else, that they are perfectly normal. We found that about 60% of Americans from the general population fantasize about some form of non-monogamy, whether that was something around you know, threesomes, foursomes, group sex, whether that was about having lots of different kinds of partners, whether that was about having a different type of relationship, open relationship, a polyamorous relationship. So yeah, about 60% uh, had that fantasy. So it's quite common. It's quite typical. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think some people might be wondering, though, well, why is that so common? You know, why is it normal to fantasize about a wide range of partners? As a psychologist yourself, do you have any insight into kind of this generally why we're kind of drawn to novelty in sexual partners? 
Our need for novelty and variety is something that is deeply embedded in our evolutionary history. It's something that has helped us survive and thrive. And it's a broader trait that connects to our broader need for novelty and variety, of which sexual novelty and variety is one expression. But that drive for the novel, for the unknown, for the a little risky is something that yeah has really pushed humanity forward during a, our very long evolutionary history. And it's a trait that some of us have more than others, because in any society you have people who you need people who are going to be more on the cautious end of things and are not going to be willing to take a lot of risks. And those are the ones who kind of maintain the society the way it is. And then there are the people who have high need for those risk-taking and novelty-seeking activities who are going to to put themselves potentially at greater risk, but with those greater risks, if you win, come greater rewards. And so those are the ones kind of pushing the, the limits. And we differ on that. Most of the research that we have on this topic finds that that need for novelty seeking is a relatively normally distributed trait, is a bell curve with some people very low, some people very high, but most people being somewhere in the middle. So, you know, for most of us, then the people who are in the middle and above, that is just a natural expression of our biological need, almost. And just thinking about being with someone for a very, very long period of time, is just not very common to have this interest in only one person, even if you never act on it. We have eyes, we have uh, you know, ears, and we feel different levels of attraction for different people. And so that's quite a normal expression of our sexuality. I think part of it too is if you think about it through the lens of something like self-expansion theory, you know, it kind of ties in with this need for novelty that humans have this fundamental need to grow and expand their sense of self over time. And one of the key ways we do this is through relationships and through sexual activity. And when sex becomes the same every time, if it becomes very routine, we're not meeting that self-expansion need. And so that prompts us to seek out novelty in other ways. So I think there are lots of ways that you could analyze this. You could look at it through the self-expansion lens and evolutionary lens, but they all kind of point to the same conclusion that it's normal, natural to want variety when it comes to sex. Now, another popular fantasy was kink and BDSM, but there was a pretty big age difference you found in terms of who was fantasizing about power, control, and rough sex. So what did you find in terms of how popular is kink and BDSM as a fantasy, and why does it differ based on age? Yeah, it was very interesting. We did find a generational gap in many of the fantasies that we looked at with the younger generation. So those aged 18 to 34 being more likely to have fantasized about almost all of the fantasies that we asked about, except for the passion and intimacy one. But one of the greatest differences between the younger and the older generation was in that power control, rough sex and kinky interests with about 65% of the younger generation having fantasized about it versus 35% of the older generation. Similarly, there was a big difference in homoeroticism. For example, the younger generation was uh, reporting that at 42% compared to 20%, so almost double compared to the older generation. And yeah, there is definitely 
an element of the novelty seeking piece being higher in our younger days than in our older days, just biologically speaking. And so probably part of that is driven by that maturation element. But of course, a lot has happened for the younger generation culturally and societally that has opened them up to exploring these different, not so normative forms of sexuality compared to the older generations where both the same sex and non-gender conforming types of ideas and desires have been normalized, as well as many of these kinky bdsm types of behaviors. So yeah, I think there's a both probably biological component and a um, societal component, and also an experiential component where that youth phase is the phase to explore. So there's a developmental component there as well, whereas the old generation may have already kind of settled into whatever patterns they're in. But that was quite interesting. And I'm super interested to see whether that remains high, you know, as we follow to some extent these trends over time and see whether when this generation gets to be in their 50s and 60s and 70s, whether they still remain fairly high on some of these fantasies. Yeah. And the fact that younger adults were fantasizing more about exploring their their gender, their sexuality. I mean, it tracks with what we see more broadly, where you have this massive rise in LGBTQ identification among young adults, where in some surveys, that 18 to 25-year-old crowd, around 20% of them in some surveys are identifying as LGBTQ. And so if you compare that historically, you know, the numbers were much, much lower. And so it could signify that there is just more openness to exploring the self in different ways, more willingness to acknowledge attractions that don't fit into this particular heteronormative mold that people have learned about. You know, when you have these more expansive ideas of sexuality and gender, that opens up the door to kind of acknowledging these different aspects of the self to the extent that they emerge. And the kink and BDSM finding actually totally tracks with my own research. I consistently find in every study I've done on sexual fantasies that young adults by far are the most interested in kinky sex. And I know some people are going to say, well, that's because of all their access to porn and porn is becoming more aggressive, more intense in certain ways. And, you know, porn could be part of the explanation, but I actually think a big part of it is that younger adults actually have way more sexual anxiety, body anxiety than older adults do. And I think kink and BDSM are often a way that people can engage sexually and kind of get out of their head because it's this very intense experience. It changes your headspace. And I think people are often drawn to these much more intense sorts of sexual activities when they want more of that psychological escape and want to be present in in the moment. So in that way, I think kink and BDSM is often kind of a therapeutic sexual practice for many people. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. There are all these different factors that are playing into why we're seeing the trends that we're seeing most likely. And even just the availability of these concepts and ideas is something that the younger generation has that the older generation never did have. 
<laughs> the fact that Fifty Shades of Grey happened to the world and this generation is living in a post kinky shades of grey kinky shades of grey world that has normalized that in a way that it was never normalized for the older generation. Because I'm I am seeing, even though it's kind of an interesting opposing these opposing forces that young people have more anxieties around their body and their sexuality. At the same time, they are living in a world that is allowing them to explore more. And so, you know, you're seeing both of those forces acting on them. Yep, absolutely. Now, you mentioned that you compared the results of the YouGov survey to this parallel survey of Ashley Madison users' sexual fantasies, and you found some pretty sizable differences there. So can you tell us a little bit about how the results differed when you looked at these two populations? And just one other point to add to that is for my listeners who might not be familiar with Ashley Madison's website, can you just give us the brief version of who that population is and then tell us a little bit about how their fantasies differed? Sure. So Ashley Madison is the world's largest married dating site. It um, has over 70 million users worldwide. So it's a really large group of people who are in some sort of a partnered relationship, most of them. Of course, there's a lot of variability among 70 million users. You're going to find all sorts of people, but the majority of them are in uh, some sort of a primary relationship. Many of them are married and are on the site to find some additional partners. It initially started when uh, non-monogamy and the ethical version of non-monogamy was less discussed and talked about. So the majority of those members were in these non negotiated non-monogamous basically relationships. These days that is starting to change as more and more people in relationships open up to some form of negotiated non-monogamy. And so these days the Ashley Madison users are a mix of people who are in some form of infidelity and some form of negotiated non-monogamy. And they definitely differ quite a bit from the general population. What we found was that uh, Ashley Madison users were more than twice as likely, for example, to be in a relationship where they were no longer having any kind of sex with their primary partner compared to the general population. So about 15% of Ashley Madison users were not having sex at all with their main partner compared to about 6% of the general population we found much higher rates of all of the different fantasies that we asked about among the Ashley Madison users compared to the general population, especially those more adventurous ones like the non-monogamy, group play, kink, novelty, just novelty in general. Speaking to the fact that you know these people are on one hand not getting a lot of their sexual needs met in the primary relationship more so than the general population, and also possibly that these are people who are on that higher end of that novelty seeking spectrum of that need for sexual variety and novelty. Uh, we also found that they were significantly less likely to feel like they can share their sexual fantasies with their primary partner. So only a third of Ashley Madison users felt they could share their fantasies compared to about 54% of the average American population. The fact that only about 50% of the general population felt that they could share their sexual fantasies with uh, their primary partner is a kind of a discouraging finding in and of itself. But then 
compared to Ashley Madison, then 70%, you have two thirds of them not really being able to do that. And they were, not surprising, far less satisfied with the sexual aspects of their relationship. So more than three quarters, 77% of members said that they were not very, or even somewhat satisfied with the sexual aspects of their primary relationship compared to about 54% of the general population. And again, even those numbers for the general population are not great. We're seeing almost half of Americans in partnered relationships not satisfied with the sexual aspects of that relationship and about half not being able to talk about their sexual fantasies. So we have a lot of room for improvement. And it sounds like the Ashley Madison folks are you know, even in a, in a worse position when it comes to this than the general population, which you know is not surprising that they would be drawn to a dating site like Ashley Madison, given that reality. Yeah, and I think all of that highlights a couple of things. One is that the numbers you're going to find when you're looking at something like sexual fantasies are going to vary a lot depending on where you draw your sample from. And so if you're drawing from a population that might be more sexually frustrated or have a higher need for sexual sensation seeking or other things like that, you're going to find different numbers compared to when you draw from other populations. But when it comes to your findings about sharing sexual fantasies or feeling like you can talk to a partner about them, you said in your general population sample, it was around only about half who felt like they could share their fantasies. And that's exactly what I found in my own work. You know, it was only about half of people who had ever shared a fantasy with their partner, but it's a much lower number who have ever acted on it. So, you know, it's one thing to share a fantasy, to put it out there. It is quite another to actually act on that fantasy. Absolutely. Which is why I always encourage people to share their fantasies with their partners not as something that has to be done, has to be acted on in real life, but as something that can bring some excitement and novelty and you know, spicing things up to keep things sexually fresh and, and exciting without actually having to do anything other than maybe deal with some discomfort around the fact that oh, maybe you can't meet that fantasy for your partner or it's something that you haven't met yet, but if you can get past that little bit of discomfort that might come with it and find a way to sexualize it and really savor the fantasy, then yeah, even the just the sharing of it without having to do anything beyond that can be quite life-changing to a couple. I totally agree. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Jana. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and also about the Ashley Madison Unbound survey that we've been discussing? Yes, thank you for having me. I always love chatting with you. You're amazing. <laughs> so people can find me at drjana.com. That's D-R-Z-H-A-N-A.com. And that's my Instagram and Twitter as well, Dr. Jana. As Justin mentioned earlier, I do a lot of education on Instagram on a daily almost basis. So come check it out. I also have an online course for people who are interested in all of the different relationship options that they have these days and how to find the right one for them at this point in their life and then how to do it well once they've found which one they're going to embark on. So that course is called Open Smarter and you can find it on my website on drjana.com. There's also a free training that people can take uh, before they enroll in the course that you can also find through the website that I highly, highly recommend to understand some of the science behind why and how we have the desires that 
that we have for these different types of relationships. And you can find the Ashley Madison report on ashley.date slash insight slash unbound love, <laughs> uh, or just look up unbound love, sex, fantasy, and desire and Ashley Madison, and you will easily find it. And um, yeah, a lot of the numbers that we talked about are there. And I will be sure to include links for everything in the show notes. Thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate having you here. Thank you, Justin. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>